And when I started my business, the first thing I did was start networking with all the people that I had met in the EMBA program. So it was like, okay, I'm going to lean back on that network and reach out to these people. And like, everyone is so willing to just have a chat. And so whenever I'm asked for advice, whether it's like for new, you know, professionals starting out or someone wanting to change careers or get into consulting, I always say like, it starts with networking, like just start meeting with people and just every conversation is something for you to learn about yourself, about somebody else, about, you know, a direction you want to go, a direction you don't want to go. And so, yeah, that's a big one. That and Clifton Strengths Finders. Those are my two big. Welcome to the Real You Podcast. I'm your host, David Young, and this is episode number one. I've wanted to start a podcast for a long time. And today we're going to do just that. Uh, I want to talk about tapping into your potential and really finding ways to be the truest version uh, of yourself today and every day. So I am thrilled to talk with Christy Mitchell, owner of Marketing Uncomplicated. We're going to discuss LinkedIn, digital marketing, using your strengths to find work you love, authenticity, and a whole lot more. So Christy, thank you so much for taking time uh, to join me on this inaugural version of my podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, especially since I'm the first. Absolutely. I was thrilled when you said yes. Uh, and it's great to great to talk with you again, and really looking forward to this. Um, so I want to start with LinkedIn because that's where that's the only reason why we're even having this discussion. <laughs> um, I, I got started on LinkedIn in July, late July, and then I looked back through our DMs, and it looked like we started communicating right around mid October. Um, so for the last few months, so I appreciate all of your encouragement and support, um, kind of in my this kind of new journey for me, and really wanted to get your take on like what LinkedIn has done for you and kind of how you've used it and how it's helped to kind of grow, you know, grow your business. Yeah. Uh, anyone who knows me knows how much I love LinkedIn. And most of the clients I work with come to me and they're on like three or four social platforms. And I'm like, just focus on LinkedIn. Like, let's do this and do it right. And just forget about the other stuff. So I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. I, it's amazing to me, the number in the reach of people that I've come to meet, like, literally across the world through LinkedIn, you know, having Zoom calls with people in Berlin and Switzerland and all over the place. Um, so it's been it's been a great networking tool for me. It's been a great way to put my thoughts out there and really, you know, I, I see people using the term like putting in the reps. Like I totally yeah. believe that LinkedIn is such a great place to do that from a content creation standpoint. Um, it's it's pretty easy to use. It's pretty simple to write posts. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's just a great tool to, to start finding your voice and really figure out what it is that you have to share with the world and what you want people to know and what the impact you want to have and what you want to help people learn in your area of expertise. I think it's a great way to do all of those things. Yeah, that, I agree. It's really, it's so super versatile and I'm the same way. I don't really use, you know, any of the other, you know, platforms. Um, and I see a lot of people who are much more experienced than me just talk about like LinkedIn is kind of the place to be, um, you know, for such a variety of reasons. Um, how, what do you, your content creation process, is it pretty strict? Do you just kind of wing it? What, like, how do you go about putting your posts out there? Yeah, it's one of those things that I sort of practice what I preach. Um, so I am very consistent in that when I set my schedule, I like, so last year I was posting five days a week, Monday through Friday, every morning at nine o'clock. I think I was scheduling those or eight 30. Um, and then this year I decided to, to shake it up a little bit. So I'm posting three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, at eight 30 in the morning and engaging around that same time, you know, before and after my posts go out. 
Um, so I, I practice what I preach when it comes to that, like the consistency. The thing that I don't necessarily always practice what I preach is when it comes to the content and the substance of what I'm what I'm sharing. Um, I am a, I just I don't repurpose as much as I could. I've written a ton of content. I'm sure I could pull enough from the past few years to just not write any new content this year, but that's it's just not my style. Like I because I always have ideas from life experiences. I mean, you know, because you follow me, like I take something about my dog or my kid and like I tie it back to business and marketing in some way to like share a lesson with people. Um, and so it's a really it's a fun creative process for me. So I tend to share story-based posts at least once a week. And then I do try and make at least one of my posts um, more in the realm of like education, like something specific, like recently posting about how LinkedIn doesn't, you know, recognize hashtags anymore. I've realized a bunch of people still don't know that. So just really trying to share information that comes easily to me, things that I take for granted, but other people don't know, um, just so I can help help other people learn more about the world of, of marketing, not just LinkedIn, but digital marketing in general. Um, so I like sharing posts like that. And then I had taken a sales training in the fall, which focused a lot on LinkedIn content and the way that you write to generate sales. And so I've been doing a lot more um, what this particular trainer would call like polarity posts, like really trying, you know, trying to be a little controversial in a way just to take a stand on truly what I believe and what I think holds people back in in the realm of doing their own marketing. And so those those posts are a lot of fun, too. I, I use a lot of gifts from Schitt's Creek and Ted Lasso. Those are my favorite. Um, little bit of humor, you know, a little little edgy. Uh, so that's usually kind of the mix that I go for in my content. I love it. I, I love the I love the personal stories like kids and dogs. I think not just from you, but from from other creators. I think it just really humanizes the person, you know, on the other end. It's it's easy on social media to forget that it's real people behind yes. it, right? You see the mm -hmm. avatars and you see um and I know there's lots of pictures and stuff, but like there's a real person, you know, writing and, and living. And so when you when I, for me, when I see dogs and kids or just fun activities, like it just really, it kind of helps humanize. Have you noticed the difference in the, um, what you call the polarity content? Have you, have you noticed more engagement, different engagement, different people, same, like what has been your experience with, with experimenting with that type? Yeah, I had one post in, I think late fall kind of go a little bit viral for me, like in terms of impressions. Um, so that that one was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I think I started with something like, you know, other marketing, other marketers might be, you know, I don't know, other marketers probably don't want me to say this, or I don't know, I started with something like that. Um, so I do find sometimes they get more engagement. I had a post a couple of weeks ago, where I was being kind of brutally honest with people, but I say like wrapping it up with a hug and a fun gift at the end, like, <laughs> uh, and it, the post itself was engaged on pretty, I'd say typical for me, but what was really cool was I got three DMs from people in my network who were all like, I think we need to talk. <laughs> so, uh, two of those have turned into more work, um, which is awesome. So Oh, that and that's great to hear. That was actually gonna be my next question. Then is have you seen an increase with working with this coach to kind of write more, you know, specific content? Really hoping to to generate those those inbound leads. Um, have you seen it just in those polarity 
uh, post or also in the sales post, or have you just seen a shift overall? And since working with this coach where you've gotten the, like those kind of inquiries, which are you know obviously great to receive. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look and, you know, as well as any of us on LinkedIn, the algorithms are changing all the time. So who knows what's to, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say, like, I did this and this made this result, right? Because things are always changing. Um, I will say that getting getting people to send me DMs to work with me has increased since working with her, for sure. Uh, but I, But I'll also say I kind of had a realization, too, just in the past couple of weeks, I'm like, I took some of what I learned from her and then I took some of, you know, more recently I worked with a foundational clarity coach and getting really clear on my values. And I know that was, that was something that, you know, we might want to talk about as far as authenticity goes, but I took, I take pieces of things that I learn and use them as they feel right to me. Um, Kind of like a hodgepodge of like mix and match things, because what I realized was I, I tried to do exactly what that sales coach said and it just didn't feel, it felt forced. It didn't feel like my content didn't flow as much. I wasn't doing as much of the story posts. And I felt like, I think for a little while, my engagement did kind of tank a little bit um, when I focused more on my offers. And so while yes, we need to sell in our marketing content and sometimes we err on the side of like not wanting to be too salesy. I think that, what feels better to me is to tell a story and tie it back to the way that I work with clients so that it's not overtly, Hey, here's how you can work with me, but it's implied through that story that I'm telling. So to me, that feels more authentic and real and more me. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's that, it's that emotion that ties into the sales message and it's trying to have the client see what it's like to work with you and then what the outcome of that is and not just specifically the bare bones like you know I do marketing and I help you grow your business like x y and z which is all great and they need to know that but that's obviously very kind of stiff um whereas when you tell like the stories and then you tie that in then it becomes more you're you're envisioning they can envision like what it's like to work with you so I think that's I think that's a great idea um, we can, we can move into talking about kind of that foundational coach and I know authenticity and purpose are purposeful were kind of your two or two of your main words, you know, for 24, um, talk a little bit about kind of working with that coach and then, you know, how you kind of chose those words. Yeah. So I actually chose the word purposeful through, I'm in a journaling program and in December, there's like a theme for every month, month in December, the theme was reflection and getting towards the end of the year, it was like kind of guiding us to coming up with our word for the new year. Um, if we wanted to, if that was something we wanted to, and I've done that for the past few years, I really enjoy that. And so I came up with the word purposeful through that exercise and really just kind of reflecting on last year and, and knowing how I want to carry my business forward. And for me, purposeful is about more intentionality in the work that I'm doing as far as I I can get very distracted and I have lots of meetings throughout the day. And if I have a 30 window, 30 minute window here, or I have 15 minutes here, my default is always to like go check my email and go on LinkedIn. And it's really not productive. So it, it doesn't, I don't need to do it as much as I do. And so really trying to rewire my habits in that way um, was a big reason that I had purposeful in there. Um, that's That's one of the drivers. I know for me, I sometimes do that as a form of procrastination. <laughs> so I'll right. I'll have something that I know that I need to work on. And usually it's either something that I don't want to work on 
or that I know that I really do need to work on it, but I've been putting it off. And then I'll be like, oh, let me just, I'm just going to go check my email and I'm just going to hop, hop into LinkedIn for just a second, which then turns into like 30 minutes. Yep. Um, and that you can just, you go down that rabbit hole. So I, that's, that's something I'm trying to work on. So I love that idea about when you have kind of purposeful in your head, I think it's easier to then not make that decision to be like, I'll check, I'll do some distraction stuff. I'll come back to it. Um, yeah. How does that, how did you move or or where did then authenticity come from? Was that like in addition to purposeful or just um, what, where did that, because I know that was a recent post where you talked about that was really yes. something you were focusing on. Yeah. So that foundational clarity coach, I worked with her. We did a session at the end of December and then I realized I wanted another session with her because I didn't, I felt like we made a lot of progress, but we didn't quite get as far as I wanted to. And so I, I scheduled another call with her at the beginning of this year we were really hammering out like my core values. And it's something that, you know, I gave some thought to here and there throughout, I'm almost five years in business, but I never really went through a formal process. And I'm a big process framework person. I never did that work to really identify what are the values that are so core to me. And what I really enjoyed about that work was it was, it was identifying what things are important to me and what things are important to my clients like shared values versus, uh, I forget the other way she said it, like if it's a one-way value, if it's my value, but they don't necessarily need to value it. And so through that process, we talked about a bunch of different things like family and accountability. And I'm trying to remember the other ones, Um, but authenticity really bubbled up as a, a real core value for me. And for my clients. And I think she called it like a, a gap value or an aspired value for my clients And it was a really cool thing to do some reflecting on because I am a, I'm, I'm a very real, transparent, honest person. And I never really thought about how that translates for the people that I work with. And so thinking in terms of authenticity, some of my best clients, I know that authenticity is really important to them because they come to me and they say, I need help with my marketing, but I know I don't want to do that thing. That doesn't feel right to me. Um, or I can't see myself doing that. And I really pride myself on on helping my clients come up with marketing plans that do feel good, that feel doable and realistic and are going to get them the, the results that they really want. And there's kind of this common thread between my really great clients of like, I want to do it my way. Like, I want you to tell me what to do, but I want to do it in a voice that sounds like me. And so realizing that that is, that is a shared value between, or an aspired value, right? If, if these business owners are feeling like the marketing they've been trying isn't authentic to them, they don't feel good about it. And then they don't want to continue doing it. And so it gets put on the back burner. And so if I can help them realize that there's a way to market yourself authentically, that's hugely rewarding. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, the way you explain kind of when they come to you and they have this idea, so they're like, you know, I know I, I really don't feel like comfortable doing this. And then you have all of your expertise where you're like, okay. And then you can kind of craft what they do want to do using what feels then authentic to them while also what is authentic to you because you're doing what you feel good about and what you know. So I love the way that that is kind of bridged. Um, and I can see where that would be, you know, really effective for the clients and make them feel, you know, good about it. What, when you were doing that work with the coach, how, what was the process like, or how did she have you identify the values? Was it uh, like mind mapping worksheets? It was like a series of questions. Like how, how did you determine like your core values? 
Yeah. So she has this, um, I think she calls it the clarity canvas, which is a lead magnet. And I looked through it and I was like, this all sounds great. And I could take myself through it, but I knew that I really wanted to work with her to, to work through it together. So she has a framework, she's got a process. Um, but when we were on the call, it was a lot of her asking, you know, she wasn't like, okay, now first step this, you know, she wasn't like holding my hand through the exercise. She was asking me questions and, yeah. and then taking notes in a Google doc, which we could both see in real time. And so it was, I always find with stuff like that, like I just, and I think most people do this, right. We just get in our own heads and you really, I love that analogy. Yeah. I think it was said in story brand. Like you can't read the bottle from inside. You need somebody else. You need the external perspective. Oh, hundred percent. I've, I've tried to do, I've done some value stuff and I almost couldn't do it without, I almost couldn't even think of my own. I had, it's, it sounds crazy, right? You'd be like, what are your values? You're like, um, and they should just come right out. But it's like, I don't know. Like I have to really right. think about it. I end up like, I ended up Googling like a bunch of values. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like these, okay. These five. Um, but it's, it's weird. So that I totally, I totally get it should be, you feel like you should just be able to spit them right out. But then like when someone asked me that fairly recently, I, I really, I really struggled. I was like, I, yeah. I don't know. I need, I need some time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll have I to send that. you her, her freebie. It's really good. It's very in-depth. Love it. Um, and I love authenticity because that's really kind of one of the driving reasons why I wanted to start this show. Um, you know, for me, and I wrote a post about this recently about the masks that we wear. And, you know, there, I, wrote, I wore a lot of masks as a kid. And as I've gotten older, I've shed a few, but it's still something that I really think a lot about and I struggle with because I feel like I'm a different person in kind of these different phases of what I'm doing, right? So at work, I'm one and at one LinkedIn, I'm one and with my family and my kids, like there's like five or six different masks that I feel like I'm kind of shuffling about. And as you get older, you don't, I don't think you're cognizantly, uh, cognitively thinking about it, but it's kind of there. So I, so I love authenticity and, and my goal for anyone listening and for myself, for you, for anybody is really, I think ideally is getting to that point where you can be your authentic true self, like as much of the time as possible in all of those different settings and you're not worried about what someone might think or what someone might say or judge you or not like you all all of those things right and you just get really comfortable in your own skin and in your own self um I, so I, that's why i love authenticity talk a little bit about kind of how you think about whether it's mask wearing or being yourself or do you switch depending on your environment or kind of what what's your take on that yeah, I I love that post that you shared. And it's funny because I didn't really think about it until just now. Thinking back to, you know, the content that I probably started creating on LinkedIn when I, you know, was newer to business in the first couple of years. It was definitely not what it is now in terms of my true authentic self. I feel like I am much more me in the content that I'm putting out there more so now than I've ever been and it. I think it just makes it flow much more easily. And I think it gets better results because people can feel the energy in it and then they're more likely to engage. And, you know, like the point that you brought up earlier, really helping people get to know us as people is really important. So yeah, just reflecting on that, I think is it is. It's it's putting in the reps, like I said before, right? Like going through the process and, and more iterations, I think helps you shed some of those other masks that maybe you had. And for me too, you know, 
when I first started my business, I had a DBA for phase two marketing. And so my website and everything had a, had a very agency marketing agency feel to it. And at the time I was doing, you know, strategy and execution. I was basically a one person agency And it. I always found my marketing myself to be more challenging. I always felt like, you know, talking about myself in the third person and, and saying we instead of I, and, and just all those things It just, it wasn't fun for me. I didn't enjoy it. And what I realized through a series of events and, and working with the Strength Finders coaches, one, which I, I think we wanted to touch on that too, is I just wanted to be me. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be this company. I didn't want to act like I was bigger than I really was. Like I really wanted to lean into the fact that I am a one person business and I'm okay with that. I don't have the intention of hiring employees. I have great contractors that I can partner with and collaborate with on projects when I need to, but I don't want to hire employees. I don't want to grow an agency. And so I really changed my business. I rebranded as Christy Mitchell Consulting, um, which now I've changed again to Marketing Uncomplicated. So I'm kind of coming, it's a little full circle, but I think I had to go to Christy Mitchell Consulting and that's my LLC that I filed and it'll stay forever uh, because it's me. But it was, it allowed me to market myself more authentically, allowed me to just be me. And it made it so much easier for me to show up. Um, So I'll stop there in case you have (laughs) thoughts. No, I, yeah, no, I I love that. And I also love that you were willing to change because for me personally, and I think a lot of people out there, you get, you, you go down a path and it feels good. And then suddenly it stops feeling good. Or you're like, I don't know, maybe this wasn't the best. And I would just, pers- I would keep persevering through it. I would be like, nope, this is what I chose. It was a good idea at the time. Uh, I'm going to make some tweaks, but I'm going to keep pushing forward. So I love that you change not once, but twice to keep evolving as you grew as a person and as your business kind of grew and all of that. So I love that you were, you had the wherewithal and the, the, the knowledge to kind of understand that and you didn't fight that as much. And if you did fight it, then you got over it, which, which is great. Um, so I love that. And I think people out there, like it's, this is life is all experiment, right? Like we don't really know (laughs) until we try. Um, and even if you do all the research and you talk to all the people until you start doing it and get that life experience and feedback for yourself, you don't, you don't really ever truly know. It's like interviewing for a job, right? You can do all the interviews and all of that, but until you start working there, you don't, you don't really know. Um, so I, I love that. And we can talk, we can move into the Clifton Strengths now. I'm a, I'm a huge Clifton Strengths guy. I've taken it twice. I think you and I even share two or three of our, mm-hmm. of our top five. Um, talk about kind of how you found that coach and kind of how they help, how they use the Clifton Strengths to really help you kind of in a time when you, you needed it. Yeah. So quick backstory that led up to that. So I got a year of experience doing my business full time before the pandemic hit, like to the month almost. So the pandemic hit. And at the time, the way I structured my business was I I put everyone on six month retainers. And so I, I still had work even when the pandemic hit. But about six months later, all my clients were like, yeah, I can't renew. Like things are too uncertain. I'd, and I was like, oh, my God, I lost like all of my clients, I think, except for one. And I was like, oh, man, like, what am I going to do here? Like, I'm only a, a year and a half in business. Um, so I really took the opportunity to kind of take a step back and recognize that I didn't actually enjoy the work that I was doing. As much as I loved the consulting role, 
I did not like the execution role. I was, I was calling myself a consultant, but I was really a freelancer. I was doing the, I was running social media. I was writing email campaigns, making website edits, all of those things. In addition to like me driving the strategy and the plan for it, that was the part that I liked. And so I was, I was kind of realizing this. And then I attended a virtual workshop by a woman who's a strengths coach. And it was the first time that I had really been exposed to that process. And I, even as a psychology undergrad, like I, I love all, you know, the personality tests and those mm-hmm. sorts of things, but I'd never done Clifton Strengths. And so to do that and to see how my strengths weren't like in alignment with the business that I was building. And so it was like, okay, how do I, now is my chance, right? If I lost all my clients and I'm rebuilding, like how do I build something that I'm really excited about? And how do I make, how do I leverage my strengths instead of trying to fix my weaknesses? That was her big, that's like her big thing, her big tagline that really resonated with me because as a marketing generalist, I always felt like I can do a lot of different things, but I'm not highly specialized in one specific area. And I always thought that was a bad thing. And it wasn't until I worked with her and then subsequently worked with a branding coach that I really realized that's my secret sauce. Like that's what makes me special. It doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so how do I reposition it in my own head? And then, you know, through all of my own marketing to be like, no, this is what makes me different and unique and and why people should work with me. So it was, it was a process. I, I did the workshop with the strengths coach. Then I went into a group program of hers and then I continued working with her one-on-one um, and it helped me hugely in my business and in my personal life for sure. That's amazing. I love so much of that. Clifton strengths for me was similar because I took it in 2016, but I didn't really fully know what to do with it. It just kind of reinforced some things I kind of already knew. And I was like, eh, it's kind of a waste, but it wasn't until summer of 22, I took it again and I was working with a coach that then it started to really come into alignment. And I love what you said about not focusing so much on the weaknesses, but really leaning into the strengths because if you're not doing work that really align with your natural strengths, what you are good at and what you like, it doesn't even really matter anything else. Eventually you will burn out or you will quit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it's taken me forever to like really like learn that. So I love that you took the time, even in a time of crisis, um, especially with the pandemic coming because like we, you know, who, who knew what that was going to look like. Um, but really tapped into your strengths and use that as a, a way to, to reposition and really tap into that. I love, I love that you did that. How, how much difference have you seen or felt since you're kind of so aware of the strengths, the rebranding, how much difference have you noticed or seen in your business or how you feel about your business since you've really been tapped into kind of this, having strengths really like at the forefront of your mind? Yeah, I've noticed so many differences. I mean, the first thing is I really, I feel like at that point, I really shed a lot of that like imposter syndrome and like feeling like, oh, maybe I need to go get Google Analytics certified. And maybe I need to, you know, retake my HubSpot certifications to get those up to date. And that feeling like I wasn't enough and somehow I needed to do more. Um, I, I think I really let a lot of that go through that process and just leaned into like what makes what makes me unique and different and how my experiences shape the work with my clients and, and really focusing in on that. One of the interesting strengths that came up, which it reminded me of it because you said like you did the test, but then like you didn't do anything with it. Like I could see how how that's so 
that I'm sure that happens to a ton of people because when I took the test, when I took the assessment, one of my strengths was individualization. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like that was one of my top, one of my top five. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like that, I don't, I don't think that's right. Like it doesn't sound right to me, but I think it was just because I didn't truly understand it. And so through working with the coach, we really like dug into that more. And now it's like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And it shows up in my business because I, while I do have processes and frameworks because I just work better that way, I enjoy them. It, it helps make things clear and it helps us make progress. I don't have a one size fits all model as far as marketing plans, right? Like we already kind of touched on that. I don't tell, I have certain things I'm going to recommend to everybody and and feel really strongly about, but the way in which we get to that end is going to look a little bit different depending on the client, right? Someone who is like petrified of public speaking, like, okay, well, speaking probably isn't going to be one of one of those tactics that we decide is, is for you, unless that's something you want to work on and work through. Um, and so individualization was was one that I like just wasn't having anything to do with until I like dug into it more. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And empathy is one of my top as well. And like those play really well together, right? Understanding that everybody is unique and different and really, you know, being empathetic to that. Um, that it, I see how my clients really value that and, and how it helps them feel more comfortable and make more progress on their marketing. I love that. When you said individualization, my first thought was like, this is just all about me. Like, this is me. I'm, I, it's, I am at the front. I am the individual and I'm running everything. Um, so it is, that's a really, that's a tricky one, I think, for a strength. And it really yes. takes some nuance to really understand like what that means. And I think, I mean, really, it's, it really speaks to the value of a coach because when you have someone, who's able to kind of walk you through it. They see it from a different angle. They're seeing it from a non-emotional state and they can really like help explain it. Um, Cause the first time I took it was just through my company. And so it was just like a company thing where you got the link and you took it, you got the, we got the results, but there wasn't anybody, there was no follow-up to, to be like, Oh, Hey, here are your top five. Like, you know, let's, let's take a look at what you're good at and what, what does this mean? And that's, and that's kind of why I think it just fell through the cracks. Um, so the, the beauty of coaching, uh, empathy is a great one. And I think as a society, we could all benefit from leading with empathy, (laughs) right? Um, if we just come from that place of, of empathy, whether it's how people are interacting with us or us with them or whatever the situation is, I think a lot of things, a lot of situations could be avoided, (laughs) Uh, negative situations, right? If everybody was just kind of operating from this, you know, uh, the place of empathy. So talk a little bit about how you really use empathy, whether it's in working with clients or maybe if there's a problem uh, with a client or something, um, talk about how that's really kind of helped, you know, shape and, and work in your business. Yeah. Well, I have to, I have to also say that my number one strength is responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. It's been interesting to me to identify these things that are kind of obvious, but when you think about how they relate to each other and and play into each other, it it makes you look at it differently. So I think responsibility and empathy both, as far as my work with my clients, they show up in ways like if I say I'm going to be at a meeting, I'm going to be at a meeting. I'm I'm 99% of the time on time, unless I got held up by something. Um, But also I my family comes first, right? So if my kid's sick, all right, I'm going to have to cancel a meeting, reschedule it. 
Um, and the people that I work with are, are very understanding of that and actually really have a ton of respect for the priorities that I have in that way. Um, I guess in another way too, just thinking in terms of, I've had clients cry on Zoom calls with me. Like, oh, wow. I work with them on marketing, right? Like, it's not like I'm not a life coach. Um, and so the first time it happened, I was like really taken aback. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to tap into that psychology undergrad degree that I have here. Like, we got to work through this. Um, but it's happened. It's happened a few times now. And it's I say that right. And everybody's gonna be like, I'm not working with her for marketing. Like, I don't want to be crying about my marketing. But I think I'm able to help my clients through that. I think I think what ends up happening is they realize maybe ways that they've held themselves back or, you know, ways that they, they weren't ready to put themselves out there um, and just really having someone show them, like, here's what could happen if, if we could get all this organized and in place and, and get you executing consistently. And so I think the empathy strength helps a lot in that way is that, I don't know, for most of the clients I work with, marketing isn't just marketing. It's it's you. It's putting yourself out there. And that's not an easy thing for everybody, probably for most people. Well, especially when you're working with those, you know, solopreneurs or small business owners where so much of the business is them. Um, and so the marketing is is really them, right? It's yes. your it's it's your personality, it's your message, it's your core values, it's all these mm-hmm. things. So I think it's even more always important, but I think even more important with kind of the people that you're, you know, targeting and working with. Yes. I had a client tell me once she had, I didn't know this when I, when we scheduled our discovery call, but she had already talked to four other marketers. Um, and she was so relieved for our conversation, like through our conversation. And she finally said to me, she's like, you're the first person who gets it. She's like, everybody else I talked to for marketing help. I felt like they were trying to sell they were selling me like a widget. Like I'm not a widget. I'm a person. I'm selling myself. And that really stuck with me. That was a few years ago. And I really, that, that resonated big time because that is, it, it ties on the individualization, right? It ties on the empathy. Um, and so really helping people through that and, and showing them that that is possible, I think is really, I feel very passionately about that. I love that. And I think the, going back to the crying for a second, um, <laughs> I think it just really is a testament to kind of what we've, we've been talking about, like the whole package and that you, they felt safe and they trusted you, right? Because you're not going to, typically you're not going to cry or break down with someone you don't feel safe or or trust. Right. So I think it, I think it speaks to like the way that you present and the way, like the questions that you're asking them and the depth in which you're trying to understand their business and their marketing and like everything that goes into it. Because as you've said, it's so much more than just a plan, an email plan, a speaking plan, a content plan. Like it's just, there's so much more nuance to that. So the fact that they, and it's happened multiple times means that I think you're doing great work when you're in these, in these calls, because they're opening up, they're opening up, they feel safe. And then ultimately that's going to lead to going back to authenticity. It's going to lead to a more authentic message an authentic marketing plan, all, all of that. So I think it's all like tied together as much as people don't want to cry, obviously. And you yeah, know, with strangers, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think ultimately it's a good thing. I would agree, and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about. So I know you had a post recently of you in a life uh, life vest with a fish while fishing when you were a kid, and you talked <laughs> yes. to, and you talked about that you like were a shy, anxious kid. And when I read that, 
I was like, I think this is the wrong person. I think that she posted. I think this is like a mispost. <laughs> I think this is like a. I think it's like a ghostwriter who wrote like for the wrong person, and then you posted it. Um, oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> so then I realized it wasn't, and it was you. And I was like, oh wow, Christy was shy as a kid. That's really surprising. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, <laughs> but it really resonated because I was very shy as a kid too. I was an only child, and I didn't speak up a lot in school and I sat in the back of the class and if I could go years without anybody calling on me to answer any question or read a passage or any of that type of stuff, I was totally fine with it. Um, it's gotten a lot better, you know, as an adult and through life experience and you just kind of grow and evolve. So it's not as big an issue with me for me now. Um, but I still am not a huge, like, I don't want to, I don't love crowds and I don't, I wouldn't love to go to like a lot of parties and like that kind of stuff is very draining for me. So talk a little bit about kind of like that evolution for you. And I know it really kind of shifted um, once you got to, you were working with like in the colleges and at the schools. And then you really, as you got older and kind of grew, you kind of felt like it kind of shifted and you kind of evolved. Just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, kind of that process and how, you know, that went for you. Yeah, it's funny because my husband and I were talking about this, like, I don't know, a few months ago, I think. And he... It like came out of the blue. I don't even remember like how it started, but he was just like, what, like, how did you become so social? Like, cause he would hear me talk about like when I was a kid and how I like never wanted to be put on the spot, did not want to be called on. Right. Everything turns bright red as soon as I get called on. Like, don't, don't put the spotlight on me. Um, and I talked about, you know, just issues with friends and always caring about what other people thought and like all this stuff from you know, being a kid that just didn't feel great when it came to social situations and school situations and all of that. And he's like, what happened? Like, how did you get here? Um, and so I, it really, it was a great opportunity to kind of sit and reflect and be like, how did I come so far to running my own business and talking to people and presenting and doing all these things? And I think, you know, as with most things, right, it's a gradual process going off to college, you know, I feel like it was a fresh start and, you know, made new friends and, you know, started to find myself there. Um, but then I ended up, I moved to South Carolina with my boyfriend at the time, husband now. Um, we moved to South Carolina for a little bit after college. Then we came back and I got a job at an institution here locally and in Rochester. And I, I, I spent eight years there. I mean, I really feel like I, I grew up a lot, right? Like in my 20s, most of my 20s were spent um, at RIT. And it was a great environment for me in that, right, there's so many opportunities to keep learning and growing as a person. I had really great bosses there who were just absolutely wonderful. I learned so much. I mean, the one is still a mentor to me. I go out to coffee with him a couple of times a year. And I made some great work friends and, you know, I earned my MBA while I was there. So it was like more school, more training. Um, and as far as the people aspect, I was really forced to network with the students in the program I worked with. And it wasn't an undergrad program. It was an executive MBA program. And so the students in that program were either already high level managers or business owners themselves, or they were aspiring to be. And so these aren't, you know, these are early 20 somethings, right? Like all these people are older than me, have more life and work experience. And that, I mean, it was really intimidating. Like I used to like, oh, great. It's because they would come, they would come to campus every other weekend, Friday and Saturday all day. And so like, 
we'd go down and chat with them over breakfast and then go down at lunchtime and, you know, sit and eat and chat with them. And then at the end of the day, like it was a lot of time with the students. And at the beginning, it felt really uncomfortable for me. But then what I found was as I got to know the students, I mean, I probably to this day, you could name a name of a student who went through that program in the eight years that I was there. And I could remember who they were and something about them. I really got to know them as people and I got to be a level of support for them, which was really cool and really rewarding. And so I think that that, I think that was a really pivotal time in my journey of like growing up and being more social and getting more comfortable around people. I love that story. And it really speaks to what you're talking about at the beginning with the content, you know, putting in reps, like you were forced to put in the reps, right? You had to you put yourself in those uncomfortable situations, having those conversations with people you felt were, you know, had more experience or more whatever. Um, but after doing it, you know, after a period of time, then right, it starts to get a little bit more comfortable. You start to feel kind of, okay, I kind of, I can do this. And then you really, you gain that confidence. And then, you know, it's like that confidence, competence loop, right? The, they kind of feed each other and the more confident you are, then you're like, oh, I'm more confident at this. And then that builds confidence, right? And it just kind of continues to grow. So I love that. At what point was it during the MBA or was it um, in kind of helping them? Because really networking, right, is marketing yourself. Um, like at what point did you feel that shift to marketing or wanting to work, you know, with or, or, or in marketing? Yeah. So in the, in the eight years that I was there, my, my position was very interesting. I did program management with a little bit of like brand and marketing oversight at the beginning, but then over those eight years, I really kind of morphed my position to be more marketing focused because I found myself drawn to that. So because some of the changes that happened with the program, we ended up having to take some marketing functions in-house and build those from the ground up. And so I got this really great experience of like building marketing um, and, you know, partnering with an agency for ad spend and, and, you know, lead gen campaigns and those kinds of things. So I, I had the marketing experience through that time that I was there and really just increased it over, over the eight years. And then as you did that, did you just kind of continue to feel like a calling? Like you just, you felt good about it and you felt like this is kind of, this is where I'm headed. Like this is, this is for me. I did. Yeah. So my going back to, I've mentioned a couple of times, you know, my, my bachelor's degree was in psychology. I never knew what I wanted to do. I, I got a taste of what it was, what it would be like working in that field as far as working at like an inpatient adolescent residence for chemical dependency. I worked at an inpatient psych unit. I quickly learned that those were not going to be career paths for me. Like the high empathy, just, I, I can't do it. Like I can't turn it off. I was not sleeping at night and worrying about, you know, patients. And um, so I knew that I knew that I couldn't go down that path, but I'm like, okay, I have this bachelor's degree in psychology. Now what do I do? And so being in that college environment and being able to, you know, earn my MBA and, and learn about the business world and be surrounded by, you know, people in the business world, um, really helped me lean into that marketing role. And I just found like, wow, this is really interesting. And obviously, like, I mean, to me, it's obvious. There's a lot of psychology and marketing, right? Like, why do people buy? And how do we influence behavior? And and those kinds of things. And so, yeah, it just, it was a natural progression for me. And I really was drawn to that because I felt like, you know, in the program I worked with, the way we did marketing, it was like, focusing in on how to help these professionals, right? It was all the marketing that we did wasn't, it never felt salesy. It never felt pushy. It was, 
here's what other alumni have experienced going through this program. Here's what you might experience. And here's how it can help you get to that next level. And so the way that I was kind of self-taught in marketing until I took some formal MBA courses, it was all rooted in that inbound content marketing, which is just coming from a place of helping. And so it seems very, you know, it's now looking back, right? It's like, oh, it was really aligned, you know, coming from thinking I'm going to be in psychology and helping people that way, but I'm going to help people in a different way. And so it's, it's maybe not the most direct path, but I got there. <laughs> you inadvertently chose the right major for your future career that you didn't know you were going to have. Yes, exactly. Winding road. <laughs> I also know that you didn't know where you wanted to be when you were growing up because I had the post where I asked that because I said when I was 10 or 11, I wanted to play in the NBA. And if anybody had said, hey, what if that doesn't work out? What would you have said? And I would have said broadcasting. Then, of course, I did nothing to make that happen. Um, and you said that you, you didn't have those goals. All you wanted to do was to make a lot of money, travel and have two dogs. Yes. Yep. That's true. So um, not there's anything wrong with that, but it's that's probably not what a lot of 10 year old kids were uh were uh, spitting out when they were like, Hey, what do you want to do? Like, uh, yes. dogs travel, dogs travel in cash. Yep. Yep. I have some um, of those things. <laughs> well, that's what I said in the post. I was like, I think you're probably close. You just, you took a, you took a cruise not that long ago with your family. That's you true. have, that you is have true. a dog, you have a yes. dog. So you just really need to add like the second dog. And then I, I mean, I think you're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the kid is in the equation, which I didn't see back yeah. then. But well, he's... yeah, you know, I'm not giving him up. I'm, I'm right. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you never know. Good things happen and you're not, you know, not prepared for them, but it's uh but it's still, it's a great, that's a great addition. Um, so yeah, so I love that. And I love that. I love that it all ended up tying together, which I think should give people hope that you don't have to have it all figured out, right. When you're 22 no. or, or even 25 or 35, right. Everything mm -hmm. happens when it happens and you make the best decision you can at the time. And then that's yep. it. And then you, you learn and maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. So um, I just really struggled with that because I thought I need to have, I need to know today when I'm 22, you know, the next 40 years. And that's, that's crazy. Nobody knows yeah, that. That's um, not the way it goes. But it's kind of ingrained in us, right? You have to pick a major and you pick a career and then you pick a life partner. And this all has to happen in this like incredibly short window of an incredible time, like of growth, <laughs> right? Like you make these like huge decisions life altering decisions when you're between, you know, 18 and, and 25, when your prefrontal cortex is not even fully developed. Like it's, it's nuts. Yep. Um, so I'm happy for you that at least there was some alignment, even if it wasn't, you know, you know, completely, you know, thought out. Well, and even more like full circle too, I think about how, you know, when I did, when I did leave higher ed, I ended up going to financial services world and that I was not cut out for corporate. That was not for me. I lasted about a year and a half and then, you know, went on to start my business. And when I started my business, the first thing I did was start networking with all the people that I had met in the EMBA program. So it was like, okay, I'm going to lean back on that network and reach out to these people. And like, everyone is so willing to just have a chat. And so whenever I'm asked for advice, whether it's like for new, you know, professionals starting out or someone wanting to change careers or get into consulting, I always say like, it starts with networking, like just start meeting with people and just every conversation is something for you to learn about yourself, about somebody else, about, you know, a direction you want to go, a direction you don't want to go. And so, yeah, that's a big one. That and Clifton Strengths Finders. Those are my two big. <laughs> somebody said recently, or I read it recently about if you go through life thinking that everyone you meet or talk to has someone to teach you 
or someone has something valuable for you to learn, regardless of their position or situation or how brief the meeting is. If you just kind of have that mindset that it kind of really changes things, um, like especially if you're not in a great mood or maybe something kind of negative happened and you have a, an interaction. But if you're going into it with that kind of open mind of like, hey, I can learn something here, even if it's something small, you know, it just kind of changes, you know, the, your approach and kind of some outcomes, uh, which I thought yeah. was really interesting. Um, so well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about your love of the color teal, um, which is, uh, appropriate because you are dressed in, a, it looks like a teal sweater with your teal background picture. And I know uh-huh. people listening are not going to see this, but I'm going to describe it. Uh, Christy <laughs> loves teal and did a post not that long ago with a teal cake, which matched her teal earrings, uh, which matched like four <laughs> other teal things uh, in the picture. It was, it was great. I loved it. Um, so where does the love of teal come from? I don't really know. (laughs) I don't really know how it started. Um, I think like sort of like the Tiffany's blue, I've, I've always been like drawn to. And then like that, just the whole family of like those blues greens. Um, and then when I, I guess it probably originally started with my, with my logo for Christy Mitchell consulting. I had a friend work on it for me and it had this kind of like little plant thing with like shades of, of teal and green. And so, um, then I, you know, use some of that color to go into my marketing uncomplicated logo and, um, yeah, no, I'm just kind of obsessed. I love, I mean, all the clothes I buy pretty much now are in the teal family because it makes me happy. I like the color. Um, I used to wear a ton of black, so. Well, I like the teal better. Um, it's, uh, it's bright, it's vibrant. Uh, I think it matches your energy and I think it's, I think it's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. People, people always comment like, Oh, your shirt matches your painting. And I'm like, yeah, well the paint, in my defense, the painting has like a lot of different shades in it. So it's a, it's a wide spectrum, but yes, I usually match the painting in my office. Yeah. From just like on camera, it looks probably like 80% teal. So, um, it matches, it matches very well. Um, so tell the people listening, um, give the, like your elevator pitch or your, yeah. your spiel, um, who you work with, how they can work with you website, like g- give them all the details, uh, for those interested. Yes. Awesome. So you can find me on LinkedIn or on my website, christymitchell.com. There's tons of free resources there because I practice what I preach when it comes to content marketing. I really love working with coaches, consultants, solo business owners who are creating their own content or doing their own marketing They've really built their businesses on referrals and word of mouth, which is great. That's how I built my business. But you kind of get to this level and peak where you're like, okay, I'm ready for the next level. I know that I need to get strategic with my marketing. I would love to be getting high quality inbound leads through my website instead of just spam form fills. How exactly do I do that? And so that's that's what I really love to do is help business owners find those marketing tactics that can create a strategic plan for them that get them the results that they want so that ultimately they can impact more people and be super successful in their business. Definitely reach out. You're one of my favorite people that I've met on LinkedIn. Um, thank you so much for your time today and your your insight. Uh, enjoyed this conversation so much. And I thank you for, for being guest one. Um, really appreciate you and enjoyed it a lot. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, David. All right. Take care.